Hello and welcome to the podcast from First Baptist Church of Madison, North Carolina. Once again, I'm Dr. Chuck McGaffey, and this is the third message of 2023. This is the second Sunday after Epiphany, and the title of this message today is Who is Jesus Really? I'll be speaking out of the gospel according to John, the first chapter, verses 29 through 42. I invite you to open up in your own Bibles if you can. If you're driving, don't do that, obviously. But uh, if, you're pos- if it's possible that you can do so, go ahead and do that. And uh, I'd like to share with you also a word about our website. Our website of our church is www.firstbaptistchurchofmadison.weebly.com. So if you would like to find out more about our church, and I do hope you would like to do so, or share that information with someone else, please go to www.firstbaptistchurchofmadison.weebly.com. Now for the scripture this morning, I'll begin by sharing with you that. Uh, uh, But before I do, let me just go ahead and have a couple of introductory words. Uh, This... uh, bit of scripture is one of which many are familiar. It is the story about John the Baptist identifying Jesus and uh, speaking about that. But first, let me tell you this. I once heard a story about a lonely woman who went up to a pet store and bought a parrot to keep her company. She looked over the selection and then picked out a beautiful bird that was supposed to be the smartest type of parrot. In fact, this bird was guaranteed to be easy to train to talk. Inspired to train her new pet, she brought a book on training parrots. The book promised that the new technique taught would have her parrot speaking within a week. A week went by and she returned to the pet store and complained. I followed the book explicitly, but that parrot you sold me hasn't said a single word yet. The storekeeper was puzzled. Then he asked, does your parrot have a mirror? Parrots like to be able to look at themselves in the mirror. So she bought a small mirror and returned home. Two days later, she stormed back, announcing that the bird was silent. The storekeeper thought about it for a moment and then said, what about a ladder? Some parrots enjoy walking up and down a ladder. So she bought a ladder and returned home. Sure enough, two days later, she came back with the same story. The parrot still wasn't talking. Does the parrot have a swing? Birds enjoy taking a swing every now and then. So she bought the swing and went home. Well, the very next day, she returned to the store and announced that the bird had died. The storekeeper was visibly upset and said, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. And then she asked, he asked, did the bird say anything before it died? Yes, said the lady, just as it keeled over dead, it says, don't they sell any food at that pet store? Commenting upon that story, Billy D. Strayhorn says, in life, we buy mirrors to primp, we build corporate ladders and social ladders so we can try to climb higher, and we build all kinds of swings so we can take out pleasure. But the question we're asked every time we gather for worship, the question We're asked each and every day in God's world is where is the food for our souls? Without that food, without being fed spiritually, our spirits will wind up just like that parrot. 
There is a rich and abundant supply of soul food found in the testimony of the disciple named John. His gospel story tells the world the story of Jesus and the good news he begins with the very beginning. In the beginning, he wrote, the word was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Perhaps it has been some time since you last read the first chapter of the gospel according to John, but I urge you to do so once again and notice the way the word no is utilized by the apostle. We can see a glimpse of that particularly in today's passage from John 1, 40, 29 through 42, as it describes the ministry of another John, John the Baptist. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, he takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I was talking about when I said there is a man coming after me who is greater than I am because he was living even before I was born. I did not know who he was, but I came baptizing people with water so that Israel could know that he is the Messiah. Then John said this for everyone to hear. I also did not know who the Messiah was, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, you will see the Spirit come down and rest on a man. He is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen this happen. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven like a dove and rest on this man. So this is what I tell people. He is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again and two, had two of his followers with him. He saw Jesus walking by and said, look, the Lamb of God. The two followers heard him say this, so they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw the two men following him. He asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Rabbi means teacher. He answered, come with me and you will see. So the two men went with him. They saw the place where he was staying and they stayed there with him a day. It was about four o'clock. These men followed Jesus after they heard about him from John. One of them was Andrew the brother of Simon Peter. The first thing Andrew did was to go and find his brother Simon. Andrew said to him, we have found the Messiah. Messiah means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas. Cephas means Peter. Jesus is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you look, even casually at the Gospel of John, you will undoubtedly discover that his work is devoted to knowledge. His great desire is to inform his readers, both Jew and Gentile, about who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how they should respond to him. In other words, if we could simply interview the author and ask, why did you write this? His answer would be, so you too can know who Jesus really is. In his final comments in his gospel story, John reiterates again his purpose for writing. This is the disciple who was bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. The writer of the gospel of John was a different person than John the baptizer. John the Baptist was... As John was, as, after all, as common a name then as it is today. 
John wrote about another man named John who was a preacher and a prophet, a man who called people to turn away from their sins and look for the one God would send to deliver them into a brand new life. What did John the Baptist know and not know? John says Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus will take away the sin of the world. He, that he will eclipse John and that he came before John, indicating Jesus' preexistence. John also says he doesn't know him, even so he still confesses Jesus is the reason he baptizes people. John will introduce Jesus to Israel because he knows it is God's will for his life. Most of all, he knows that the Spirit of God is with Jesus and he, Jesus, will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Once again, he says he does not know him. Nevertheless, Jesus is the Son of God, the Lamb of God. What did John the Baptist mean when he says he both knows and doesn't know? I think it is perhaps helpful here to pause for a moment and consider what kind of person John was. Some of you are old enough to remember when many Baptists actually claimed their faith was in fact begun by John the Baptist. That claim, by the way, is not true. The Baptist name comes out of 17th the 17th century, and refers to a renewed church that practices baptizing people instead of uh, older people, instead of infants and toddlers, too young to decide. When I hear a Baptist attempt to lay claim to John the Baptist being our founder, I still have, to, I still have a degree of sympathy. It is an easy mistake to make. You see, John, as a preacher, does in many ways share some commonality with preachers we've known. He was devout and outspoken and more than a little strange. His education was unorthodox, his preaching aggressive, his attire rough-hewn, and his thought processes mystical. About such as these, Confederate General Peter Longstreet commented in Michael Shower's book, Killer Angels, a little eccentricity is a help to a general. It helps with the newspapers. Southern women like their men religious and a little mad. That's why they fall in love with preachers. Well, it's not just women, but most of us love the character of John the Baptist. I don't think he was mad, but I do think he was somewhat ambivalent. Throughout the course of his development, we see someone who is growing in his understanding of who Jesus is. That is why he is able to say that he knows and he doesn't know him. What a tremendous confession. How refreshing, how honest, how helpful, especially for all of us who claim to know Jesus, but admit there is so much more to learn. Now, when John says he doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't mean he's never met Jesus. John and Jesus are related. Not only do they know each other, they have been friends from childhood. Even so, it is only when Jesus comes for baptism that John recognizes Jesus for who he really is. Only God's voice whispered in the deep recesses of a human heart makes this recognition possible. It is as theologian Walter Brueggemann comments, the knowledge of Christ always comes as an occasion of revelation, as a divine gift. 
Sometimes I think we need to understand that we don't understand everything. That doesn't mean we don't know anything, only that we are still traveling the road of discovery. If you look carefully, you will see this in the life and ministry of John. No one alive knew Jesus any better than he did. What he knew motivated all of his bold actions. But what would have happened if John kept his mouth shut? What if he would have reasoned, well, I'm not sure I understand everything about Jesus, so I best not say anything. I'm afraid that is exactly what we are prone to do. Because we do not hold advanced degrees in something does not mean we can't do anything. You don't have to be trained chef to cook a meal or a NASCAR driver to take a trip. So we ought to realize that bringing others to Jesus is not reserved for the experts. We all can do something. John, the one who knew Jesus and at the same time was still learning who Jesus was, acted upon the knowledge he had. In so doing, he began to know Jesus even better. The final part of today's scripture shows the Baptist doing just that. He saw Jesus walking by and said, look, the Lamb of God. The two followers heard him say this, so they followed Jesus. To know him is to bring others to him, and in bringing others to him, we will know him even better. I think I should say that again. To know him is to bring others to him, and in bringing others to him, we will know him even better. Put another way. To show him, to know him is to show him to others. That can be amazingly simple. It may be just as easy as asking if they know Jesus. Charlotte Elliott was just, was a just, was a young woman, was just a young woman. Was it, let me get this right. Charlotte Elliott was just a young woman the night she went to, the, to a friend's home for dinner. The year was 1835. The home was in the West End of London. There she met a brash young minister named Cesar Mollen. During the course of the meal, he asked her if she were a Christian. She took offense and said she'd rather not discuss the matter. He apologized and the conversation moved on. Three weeks later, their paths crossed again. This time it was she who brought it up. She said ever since he asked her the question, she'd been trying to find the Savior, but to no avail. So you tell me, she said, how does one, so you tell me, she said, how does one come to Christ? He said simply, just come to him as you are. That she did. Not long after, she wrote this very well-known hymn. Just as I am, without one plea, 
but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God. I come. I come. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming his way, he told his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm rather sure that John did not fully realize the meaning of what he said. Yes, Jesus was the Lamb of God, and he did come to take away the sins of the world. Exactly how he was going to do that was something the world would need to learn. As you see signs of his presence in the trials and tribulations of everyday life, dare to let him come more fully into your heart and invite others to know him as well. Finally, know this. That to know him is to be changed by him. That is the difference between knowing about him and knowing him. When we encounter Jesus, our lives will change and we will be glad for it. Some time ago, there was a television series called Band of Brothers. It was the story of Easy Company, a group of American soldiers who fought from Normandy to Germany during World War II. They were an ordinary group of men who accomplished extraordinary things. Many of them died in the process. Of those who survived, quite a number became teachers. Others became builders of homes. They had been destroyers, but when they got the chance, they decided to be builders. They wanted to do something beautiful with their lives. But others were so damaged by the horrors of horrors of war, by the things they had seen and done, and with deep feelings of guilt, that they couldn't seem to recover. Sergeant Skinny Sisk was one of those. One of Skinny's soldier buddies had warned him that all the killings were going to jump into bed with him one day, and one day they did. After the war, Skinny suffered flashbacks and started drinking. His life degenerated, and in the vernacular of his time, he became a real bum. Then one day, his little niece, four years old, came unbidden into his room. None of the rest of the family would have anything to do with Sisk. He was such an angry and vile drunk. But this four-year-old girl came into his room and she told Sisk that Jesus loved him and that she loved him too. She told him that if he would repent, God would forgive him for all the men he kept trying to kill all over again. Quite a speech for a four-year-old girl. She probably heard one of the adults say those things, and she knew that Sis needed to hear them, so she marched uninvited into his room to tell him that. Sis says, that little girl got to me. I put her out of my room. I told her to go to her mommy. And then he reports what happened the next day. He says, there and then I bowed my head on my mother's old feather bed and repented. And God forgave me and the war for the war and all the other bad things I had done down through the years. And do you know what happened? Sisk quit drinking. He gave his life to Jesus. And Jesus unlocked the potential that no one else could. Sisk became a minister and served God well for many, many years. In his old age, Sisk wrote a letter to Dick Winters, his old Easy Company commander, telling what had happened to him. Sisk said, I was ordained in the latter part of 1949 into the ministry. And believe me, Dick, 
I haven't whipped but one man since, and he needed it. If you were trying to change the world, would you start with an old vet incapacitated by PTSD and an alcoholic? Probably not. Or a little girl? Probably not. But because God intervened, each one knew something about him. Sis knew to confront his demons. This little girl knew enough to share her hope with her uncle. You see, Jesus takes in people. People like Andrew and Peter and Skinny Sisk and that little girl and you and me and the person who was sitting beside you in the pew. And Jesus does wonderful things with us and through us. All we have to do is put ourselves in his hands. All we have to do is to let Jesus take charge of our lives. That's harder than it sounds. It's not easy to give up control of our lives, even to Jesus. But it can be done. Skinny Sisk proved it. Listen to his words. He says, there and then I bowed my head on my mother's old feather bed and repented and God forgave me for the war and all the other bad things I had done down through the years. Suddenly, in, in the hands of Jesus, Sisk became a new man and a good one too, though admittedly not perfect. From that time onward, after giving his life to Jesus, Sisk was a changed man, a man who knew Jesus. There are four things the real Jesus can do for you. Jesus can forgive your sin, all of your sin. There is nothing beyond the scope of his forgiveness. Another thing to remember is the real Jesus can give you purpose and meaning in life. Third, the real Jesus can give you real peace. That does not mean the absence of conflict and struggle, but the awareness that Jesus has overcome the world and we can know the real meaning of peace through him. Fourth and finally, the real Jesus can give you power for positive living. It should inspire us all to know these four things about Jesus, the real Jesus we say we follow. He offers pardon, purpose, peace, and power. And oh, how we need that now. We have been through unusually hard times marked by disease, death, and demagoguery. We need to follow the real Jesus who will show us the way into a new day. Remember the quip, tough times do not last, but tough people do. Let the real Jesus be our strength, our toughness. You can decide to follow, to receive into your heart the real Jesus. Here is how you do that. First, you receive him by faith. We all possess faith. It is only a matter of what we choose to put our faith in. Do you trust yourself? Do you trust your friends? Can you trust Jesus as your friend? Next, ask him. The words are not as important as the attitude of your heart. You may pray a simple prayer of trust by saying, Lord Jesus, I need you. I open the door of my heart and invite you to take up residence in my soul. Thank you for your forgiveness, your promise of purpose, your peace and your power. From now on, I'm going to follow you, learn more about you, and share your love with all I meet. Do you know him? Do you want to know him better? Then follow the example of John the Baptist as we bow in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, there is so much that we do not know. We have questions, we have doubts, we have difficulties that we cannot resolve. Even so, we have learned much, and what we know has made a huge difference in our lives. 
Help us to step forth on faith and act upon the knowledge you have given us and by so doing, get to know you even better. Amen.